there to all of our 20 viewers and not the Swedes, as we've learned. Uh, Katie and I just, we just uh, looked at some of the analytics and we are blowing up. Uh, we're not. We're just talking into the void, but we love the void. So thank you, Void, for tuning in to another episode of Cartoon Time Machine, where we look back and look forward and look present at all the great cartoons that exist and talk about them and obsess over them and have a genuinely fun time uh, being involved with them. Uh, I am Scarlett, and this is... Katie! Yeah, right on, right on the money. Love it. Yes. Uh, and we are your animates. Uh, and today we have a very special topic: cartoon conspiracy theories. Woo. <laughs> uh, Katie, can we can we put in a spooky sound in post? Fine. Like a really spooky sound, not like. I'll work. Okay. okay. Oh, we'll do it. Yeah, because uh, today some of these conspiracy theories are especially. Uh, conspiracy filled because I just made some of them straight up. Uh, Katie did actual research into some of the creepiest, uh, okay, so some mild research into some of the, the creepiest and most outlandish cartoon conspiracy theories out there. These are the theories that our favorite cartoons might not be uh, what we've always believed them to be. It is typing very loudly right now. It's definitely getting picked up on the recording. Oopsies. Edit it out, we'll fix it in a moment. <laughs> uh, and meanwhile, while they've been doing that kind of research, I have been uh, just just making just making stuff up. <laughs> uh, Katie, the, the way we're going to do it is Katie is going to a cartoon conspiracy theory. We're going to talk about it, and then I'm going to introduce one that I just made up, and we're going to discuss whether or not it has any actual merit. Uh, so why, why don't you start us off, Katie? What What is your number one cartoon conspiracy theory? Okay, let's start off with a simple cartoon, a fan favorite of ours. We're the only fans at this point, anyway. Fans! <laughs> We're such huge fans, guys. We're such huge fans of ours. Uh, we'll start with SpongeBob and that Bikini Bottom was created due to nuclear testing. You know, that's an oldie but a goodie. I, I, kinda, yeah, I, I vibe with that. I like that a lot. It has its merits. One, why? Otherwise, would there be talking fish and sponges? Why? Why indeed? But also, it comes out from the Bikini Atoll, which is a location in the ocean. The U.S. spent a lot of time bombing for fun. And therefore, Bikini Bottom is suspected to be the Bikini Atoll. And therefore, was a site of nuclear testing. See, what I like about this theory is that it means that there's, like, a level of realism to Spongebob that I really enjoy. Like, now there's just, like, it's, like, they're in our world. Like, this is, like, these are fish in our world who just happen to be, you know, they're not just cartoon characters. They have been mutated so that they act the way they do, which I love that. I, I, I love anything that brings my favorite cartoons closer to my heart, even if they're horribly mutated abominations. Well, here's the other thing. We have seen... Spongebob interact with the real world. Or at least David Hasselhoff, who is 50% in the real world. <laughs> well, we've seen him interact with David Hasselhoff and the diver in the first movie. In the second movie, they literally go on land, on a beach. It's like, oh, what's the, what's your fancy thing in California where everyone goes? Long Beach? 
No, and I'm thinking more peers. Yeah, that one. Santa Monica, there you go. They basically go to a version of Santa Monica and they interact with people. So therefore, the worlds are combined. And, you know, therefore, it makes sense that SpongeBob is a mutated uh, nuclear abomination. So what you're saying is, and, and I apologize, I haven't actually seen the second SpongeBob movie. It was on my it was on my list to do a double feature of it, and then this third one that was supposed to come out this summer, but of course it didn't because 2020 be a bitch. So now I haven't seen either of them, and I'm twice as sad. Uh, but are you telling me that if we accept the theory that SpongeBob and his buddies are actually horribly mutated undersea abominations, that the second movie in which they come up to Santa Monica to terrorize the local populace? Sounds like a horror movie. I feel like we've just, I mean, this conspiracy theory turns the second Spongebob movie into a straight-up horror movie. A little bit, but they're going to, sa to save the Krabby Patty recipe. You need to watch the second movie. It actually stands up really well. I, so not only have we now offended the Swedes and people who like pop culture and whoever else is on our running tally of people <laughs> we've offended, now I've also offended people who really like the second Spongebob movie. Which means you. I think Which I, I means think me. I, you. Yeah. And if you leave, we lose 50% of our, of our viewers, <laughs> so you cannot leave. Hillenburg came back for the second. It just, it has the classic touch. Okay, I, I gotta, I'll, I'll do it. I, when, when, I'll make when, it. I, I'll off topic, but when is this third Spongebob movie coming out? Do we have any kind of... I'm gonna say it got pushed back to, like, May of 2021, or later. It got pushed back far. You know what? Hey, hey, Viacom, if you want to, like, launch your streaming service, like, I will buy it if you give me, like, a bunch of Spongebob crap. Like, come on, Viacom, you're, like, the, la you're, like, the last big company to, to, put, to throw your hat in this ring. No one's buying Paramount Plus. I don't even know if that's out yet. It's probably not out yet, but who would even buy it if it was? Come on. You've, you've, got, you've got assets here. Someone give me better access to all 20-some-odd seasons of Spongebob. Honestly, I, th I mean, and they, they could get, you know, eventually their deal with Netflix will end so they can get Avatar back. Like, Nickelodeon has a library that they could have and people would watch. I mean, it's maybe not Disney Plus, but, like, a lot of people would go for that. This is next week's topic at this you rate. Yeah, we're Let's get back on track. All right, so is it anything else say for your conspiracy theory? No, that's the basics of that one. All right, that means we're on to my random BS. So I'm going to explain it, Katie, and you're going to tell me if this deserves to be in, in a, any kind of place among real conspiracy theories. Okay. So my theory is that Chowder and Flapjack, the Cartoon Network shows, are actually prequels to Adventure Time, and they exist in the sort of between period from when... In, in the, in, so in the, for those who don't know, the world of Adventure Time is decidedly post-apocalyptic and the world that has been created by some kind of event that's never fully explained involves a lot of things with you know animated things that in our world wouldn't be animated like food and plants and forces of nature like shit like that and we sort of see the start of that in shows like chowder and flapjack now one might argue that that's just because that's a cartoony world where things talk that shouldn't talk, but I think we can go deeper and say that we start, so Flapjack is like the first, so like things are still mostly normal, like most people look like humans, but some people don't, and some, and then the, you can see the candy is starting to mutate, and they're starting to take on some life of its own, 
and then we get over to Chowder, where everyone looks really weird, and they're definitely not fully human anymore, but like, you know, they're, they're, everyone's still in that sort of in-between phase. And then we get to Adventure Time, where Finn is the last human, or one of the last humans, and basically everyone else is mutated abominations. You lost me in the beginning, but you got me back at the end when you explained it better. But that's the beauty of a conspiracy theory, because they all start off when you just say them like they're complete BS. But then if you justify it long enough and you keep talking, you eventually wear someone down until they buy it. Which is your talent. Uh, on, on the level of your uh, ability to BS a conspiracy theory, I'm going to give you a 5.5 out of 10 on this one. Okay. I'm gonna need some more logic for the locations and the world changing, but I'll give you that the the, the abominations the make sense. Time. It's the whole planet, so like, sure, maybe you know Finn and Jake's world and Ooh is up here, but like, mm. I don't know, maybe like the, the the weird flapjack shit is happening on another part of the world. I'm gonna have to censor so much stuff in this episode. <laughs> Are we, do we have to censor? No, <laughs> messing Yay. with you. Um, Children, the show about cartoons is not for you. You gotta be older before you start talking about cartoons. Cartoons uh, are not for kids. They're for me. Just for me. And and the people I designate are also allowed to watch it. Katie's okay, but everyone else, just the two of us, are the only ones who can appreciate cartoons. Yeah, but I'm gonna stick you at a 5.5 out of 10. I need this, like, mapped out. We'll work. You could work on it. This could use some troubleshooting. I'm draw a timeline of how of how we get from Flapjack to Chowder to Adventure Time. I want a board with pictures, printouts, oh, red string. <laughs> yeah, I, if you don't give me that, it's not going up. All right, all right. I'll take it. I'll take it. In the meantime, while I'm working on my next one, Katie, what is what is your next cartoon conspiracy theory, real one, to tell us about? Okay, there are some. In, there are some weird ones, and we're gonna we're gonna go into some of the weirder ones now. I think. Why don't we start with the idea that Ed, Ed, and Eddie is just purgatory? I love this one. This might be my favorite conspiracy theory. So the conspiracy theory is that everyone is dead. <laughs> like all these are all dead kids in a cul-de-sac. There's some part of conspiracy theory. It's just. Everyone's dead. Boom. Yeah, no, that's a lot of these, is that everyone's dead. It It's impressive how many of them. Um, there's been many explanations. I also like the other theory that involves them being from different times at the Ooh. same point, where, like, Johnny and Ralph are from the 40s, Kevin's from the 90s, Naz is the 60s, Jimmy's the aughts, and such and such. Makes so much because J- Jimmy's a little hypochondriac kid, right? Mm-hmm. So it makes sense to have him in aughts, and obviously Kevin is just so freaking nineties. Yeah, that's this one holds up. This one holds and up. like, and Ralph makes sense to be early times. Yeah, Ralph is like canonically a farmer, right? Mm-hmm. And like a German farmer. Where did he come from? <laughs> like, I would say I wish. We could speak to this having recently watched Ed, Ed, and Eddie, but we watched one episode. We, yeah, uh, to all our viewers out there, Ed, Ed, and Eddie does not hold up as well as you would want it to hold up, at least in terms of rewatchability. Um, we, we had tolerance for a lot of weirdness as kids, and we could feel our brains slightly melting as our adult minds tried to process what we were seeing. 
Um, but but yeah, wait, wait. Can, okay, just to 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 addendum this this theory. Can we have Rolf be the German farmer from like twenties, you know, or like the early nineteen hundreds, and just like avoid those two world wars because I I don't want to get into of that. One second, I need to figure out where he's supposed to be from. I mean, it's okay, because I'm pretty sure there's no Jewish kids in that cul-de-sac, but, like, that would make this purgatory really awkward. Like, can you imagine you end up in purgatory as, like, a Jewish person because all Jews go to purgatory, and, like, you're stuck next to the Nazi kid? That would suck. Yeah, he's just described as an immigrant from a far and distant culture known to us only as the old country. Um, (laughs) He was familiar with a trickster named Goethe who lives in Norway, so he could be from Norway. Oh no, he's Swedish, and we just made fun of him. <laughs> oh no, it's continuing. It okay, back but back for the theory. <laughs> yeah, the idea that they're dead, and you'll see this in a couple cartoons, where if there's not a lot of adults, the automatic theory is the children are dead. Because <laughs> what children would want adults in their purgatory? That works. I mean, yeah, I, I, I as a child probably would not. Just as much as I wouldn't want to be in purgatory with a Nazi. Well, any other thoughts on this theory? How do you feel? I, do you I, do you believe this one? You know, I I I sort of I want to believe this one, you know, because otherwise, again, like my adult brain is trying to comprehend what the world of Ed Ed and Eddie is, where they just live on that cul-de-sac. I don't do we ever see them outside that cul-de-sac? I don't remember if you do in the show, but you definitely can leave the cul-de-sac at some point in the video game, in the for the GameCube. Oh, I don't think I ever played that. But like, we don't see them in school, right? They're kind of like all in perpetual. No, they have a school. They have a school? I think so. I think so. Okay. And they go to the trailer park. Yeah, but that's like an adjacent neighborhood. That feels yeah. Like leaving your one area of purgatory to go to another. We don't really see adults. In the same way, you don't really see the adults in Peanuts. Are the Peanuts adults also dead? I think there is a theory for peanuts, but I don't I have that, that one. But, um, no, they leave the cul-de-sac every so often. I enjoy the one where you add in the, the eras, because that makes sense for some of these characters that don't make sense for their, for when they're made. But I think it's just, I don't know if I buy it completely. I feel like nowadays kids don't get to roam on their own with little adult supervision. That's true. But, I don't know, in my days, you could. <laughs> Back and on, day. That's that's really, I mean, that's really true. I like. I think there's something, and I think even when we were kids, there was still something kind of idealized about watching the Ed Ed and Eddie kids like roaming around, like making that cul-de-sac their own little world. Like, I think that's you know that kind of speaks to like what a child would want their like afterlife to be like. So, with that in mind, yeah, I, I rate this pretty high. Uh, I, I, I I'll give I'll give that six out of ten stars if we're doing a rating system now. I'm really just rating yours, so. Well, I want to rate yours too. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what did the bikini bottom atoll get then? I'll give that nine out of ten. I dig that. I, I dig. I dig the mutations one. All right. All right. Give me your BS. I BS. So this one, I, I sort of started on a grand scale, and I'm taking it down to one that I find more believable. So this theory is about my gym partner's a monkey, which was one of my favorite as a kid. But like, definitely, like judging by your face, I don't know if you remember it or. Like, oh no, I do. I'm just surprised this is where you're going. I I I dug that show so much. So for those of you who don't know or don't remember, this show was about a little boy uh, whose last name is Lion, and as a result, he gets sent to a school for animals. 
and he has to live in this wacky school where he's the only human and everyone else is an animal. But my theory is that little, little Adam Lion actually got in trouble for something and got sent to like a behavioral school for like bad kids. And the way he's rationalizing this in his mind is that he was like basically framed because, oh, you know, I can't help my last name. And now he's in a school where everyone's acting really weird. And in order to survive in his brain, he's imagining that all of them are animals and that he's the only normal one when really he's maybe the only one who thinks that he doesn't deserve to be there and everyone else is acting like an animal. You know, I'll give you an 8 out of 10 for this one. Woo! Yay! I like it, I like it, and you have seen, we've seen these references to high schools as zoos before. Yep. So, I'll give you that one. That one's pretty good. And, and it, you know, it makes sense in that, like, the rest of the, the world of My Gym Partner's a Monkey is, like, a pretty normal world. Like, we see, like, one episode he goes back to, like, a human school. Like, everything else in this unit, like, there's no, like, you go out in the streets and, like, the dogs, like, start talking to him and some things. And there's never any reference to why he can understand these animals talking or why they're all wearing clothes or why they have, like, you know, the normal gym classes and stuff like that. So, like... Clearly, it's only Adam who sees anything weird in this situation, that he is in a school for animals. So, yeah, I'm willing to believe this is all in his head, and everyone, everyone else is just a normal, possibly ugly kid that he in his brain is thinking, no, oh, that, that person's a monkey. All right, we're going to stop up there. <laughs> okay. I'll take we'll it. move on. I have another one. Uh, we have occurred to the cowardly dog one. And this one is that it's, there's nothing weird about the world. Courage is just a small dog seeing the world through a dog's eyes. And we're shown the POV of his eyes. And like the only, the reason he thinks he lives out in the middle of nowhere is because his owners are too old to take him on walks. And he's just a little scared puppy. You know, I gotta say, I'm only gonna give this 2 out of 10 stars because I don't like the idea that all of the scary stuff in Courage is actually, like, normal stuff and he is, it's from the point of view of a dog. Like, I, I believe that this could be, but it takes all the fun out of this world. I, and That's by, fair. By fun, I mean trauma, because we are an entire generation who has been traumatized by Courage the Cowardly Dog. I, if, I think I think that's the, what they should call us cuspers, you know, us us like late nineties born kids who aren't quite Gen Z, aren't quite millennials, but we're just old enough that I think all of us were traumatized by Courage the Cowardly Dog. I'm gonna call us Generation Courage because of that. Um, oh, it was a traumatizing show. If you, if you were not traumatized by Courage the Cowardly Dog, I am concerned for your mental health. Not perfect. <laughs> still, okay. Still scares me. So you didn't like that one as much. I thought it made sense, but it, well, I see what you mean. Well, it makes too much sense. It's not a fun conspiracy <laughs> theory. It makes sense. <laughs> the fun All right. are the ones that make no goddamn sense. <laughs> All right. What's yours then? Ah, okay. My, my next one is uh, another kind of crossover Cartoon Network one. My theory is that Dexter from Dexter's Lab grows up to be the professor from the Powerpuff Girls. And the reason he is so obsessed with creating perfect little girls is because when he was a little boy, one of his experiments went awry and killed Dee Dee. I think I've heard this one. What? <laughs> I don't know. It just sounds familiar to a Dexter's Lab one. Is, wait, do, do you know one that's similar to that? 
No, but I swear I've heard this something like this for yeah, Dexter's yeah, Lab. Okay, well, I, I did or, yeah. or this just means you get like a 9 out of 10 because this is real believable. Doesn't this sound believable? I, okay, I, I, I swear I didn't, I purposefully didn't look up these things just in case like I would actually like subconsciously <laughs> absorb some of them and turn them into my theories. So if I actually, if, if my mind is twisted enough that I got the same thing that someone else, that's, that's just, that's just on, on my weird brain. Um, but in any case, I think it makes perfect sense because first of all, you know, one, one, you know, way to dissuade this is that Dexter from Dexter's lab has a completely different accent from the professor and they look nothing alike. But I think it's fair to say that Dexter is faking that accent because no one else in his family has that accent and, you know. It, no, he li he lives in small town USA. Why does he have like German accent? What do we what vaguely European accent? Yeah, there's no reason he has that other than he is just you know he thinks it sounds scholarly. Uh, and then you know kids kids get different when they grow up, especially in in when they're drawn like Hartman draws all these people, and you know they they don't they don't ch children are like this big and adults are full size. That's my favorite part of how he draws people is like. I remember, like, it's like a fairly odd parents. Like, the parents would occasionally just like hold Timmy in their hands like this because the size is so weird. So I'm I'm perfectly willing to believe that Dexter grows up to look like the look like Professor from uh, from Powerpuff Girls. Yeah, I'll give you a nine out of ten because it really sounds like a true conspiracy theory out in the world. I'm at, once we stop recording, I'm gonna look it up and just confirm that that I didn't somehow steal this from someone subliminally. But I'm Fair. confident I just came up with it in the shower because this sounds like a shower thought for me. <laughs> okay. Next one. Uh, we'll go back to a show about children. We'll go with the Rugrats one. Uh, this one is also that the children are dead. No, but they're babies. <laughs> Except for Angelica, who has imagined all the kids. Now, the kids were all real. They just have all died. Um, actually, I don't know about Phil and Lil. Nope, that's that they were never there. I guess it's a little less sad if they were never there. No, here, I'll, I can read this one. Read so the, the theory for all the kids is Tommy died soon after childbirth, which is reflected by the fact that Stu never leaves the basement inventing toys for, for Tommy. Chucky died in the car crash with his mom, which is also reflected by his dad's actions. Uh, and with Phil and Lil, it's that there were never any twins. There was just one one baby, but the baby was stillborn, and Angelica never learned the sex of the stillborn, so she just invented twins of both genders. Huh. And since Angelica is sad and lonely because her mom is constantly working and never paying attention to her, but she's also spoiled, she's invented, she's kept these kids in her imagination. And instead of, like, playing with them and being nice because she's a spoiled brat, she's just mean to them, and it's still a spoiled brat. I'm gonna give this an 8 out of 10 because this sounds almost too legit, and it's making me sad. So, because it has provoked that reaction in me, I think I have to give it at least an 8 out of 10, even though I don't want it to be true, because that's... Yeah. Also, what does that mean for all grown-ups? I think you need, you need to tie this into all grown-up now. I didn't make this one, so... Well, I ain't got the answer. You brought it up, so okay. So let, let's 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 work let's work this out between the two of us. So the the premise of all grown up is that they're now middle schoolers, right? Or are they? I, I think so. Elementary. I guess they're middle schoolers. That makes the most sense. So 
is Angelica, does she just now, like, have adult, or not adult, but, like, grown-up-ish uh, imaginary friends that she's still mean to? I guess. At this point, you could probably get into, like, trauma as a child and just keeping these as a defense mechanism. This could get, you could get too real with that. Yeah. Oh, you know what this is like? Uh, there's a, uh, I think James Patterson wrote a book, uh, Middle School, The Worst Years of My Life, and I think it was made into a movie a few years ago. And, okay, again, spoiler alert, uh, you find out by the end that the best friend that the kid has been talking about this whole time is actually his dead brother, who he's been imagining the whole time. Um, so, it's kind of similar vibes. Yeah, so it's a sad one. It's a, it's a real sad theory. Some of these theories are really depressing. Can I take you to my, my last and what I'd like to call my happiest theory? Please do. So this theory is from Code Lyoko, which was my favorite show growing up, and I, I you, you weren't a, Code, were a big Code Lyoko fan, were you? Okay. Nah, but not my show. For me. But, so the, the premise of Code Lyoko is that there are these kids who go into this virtual world and try to fight this supercomputer, and, you know, they use a lot of early CG, and they, you know, kids were in trouble all the time, both in the virtual world, and then they would, like, you know, the supercomputer would, like, attack something in the real world, and they'd have to stop the thing in the real world by going into the computer game. It was a lot of fun. Um, so my theory is that none of these kids were ever in any kind of danger, and they're all just LARPing. And the, in the first season, there was, like, a, a very convenient plot device where they had some, they had, like, a button they could press that would like reset the whole day so no one would ever remember what happened. And coincidentally, the first season was also where like the most wild and plausible stuff was happening. So like you could, it made more sense that that was, you know, in their, in their heads and that's why they could just reset it and no one would remember anything because they're all just making that stuff up. Uh, but by later seasons, they realize that plot device is boring and gets tired. So <laughs> basically from second season on, they do it much less and Perhaps not so coincidentally, when everyone has to, everyone in their world has to remember the things, there are more real-world consequences for the kids. So my theory is that these kids start LARPing more and more and getting more involved in the real world, and that's why they have to start dealing with the consequences of their actions more, and they can't just hit a reset button and basically stop playing and no one remembers what was happening because none of it was real. Ah. Uh... I can't speak to how this actually affects the show, as I do, have not watched the show. Probably any episodes, if we're honest. I don't remember watching any. So I can't tell you that, but I will give you a 9.5 for enthusiasm. I, I See, I like this because, like, thinking back, like, when I was a kid, I'm like, yeah, these kids are in danger. Like, they're, that supercomputer is going to kill them. They're all going to die. It's going to be awesome. And now that I'm a little bit older, the idea of these 11-year-old children being horribly murdered by a supercomputer sounds like a horror movie to me, and I want to imagine that they were never in any real danger, and we're just all playing out their, their fantasy D&D-type game where they have to go to a magical world to stop an evil thing to save their hometown. Yeah, and also Tiny Scarlet wasn't uh, an avid player of D&D, so Tiny Scarlet wouldn't think of this. Bigger Scarlet plays D&D now. Bigger Scarlet now plays D&D and is actively trying to think of a D&D Code Lyoko one-shot to inflict on her friends now. <sighs> oh, Slowly oh. everyone in our campaign will be a DM. We That's now the goal of this podcast. Oh, absolutely. We are going to have so much fun. I, you, you know, I... <laughs> As soon as we hang up, I'm gonna I'm gonna start I'm gonna start thinking of how to how to. Make it. <laughs>
Super Mario Bros. game real. It's gonna be great. Uh, incredible. Why are because most conspiracy theories- Because Ulrich gets to make out with the hot girl, so I'm gonna do that. Wow, so many of these conspiracy, conspiracy theories are dark, because I'm looking for another one that I could- we could talk about this Let's real one. final one, so make it good. Oh no. Well, I'll go to one of our favorite shows then. Um, we'll go to Foster's now, which is the show we are working through. Uh, it's not happy still. Don't Those worry. For me. Yeah. I have told you these before. <laughs> okay. The, the dark, would you like the darkest one? You're getting the darkest one. It's that okay. Frankie is the only real character in the show. Well, everyone else is canonically imaginary, right? Well, no, this would also make Mac and yeah. Madame Foster imaginary. Oh. Would you yeah. like me to just... Yeah, so the idea is that Frankie grew up in a bad home situation. Uh, her parents didn't really pay attention to her, so as we were saying, you make up imaginary friends. Um, spend a lot of time with these friends, but these friends didn't leave, as we were talking about. Like, normally you expect children to age out of their imaginary friends. But the concept is Frankie didn't, as she grew up, and the imaginary friend remained her own her one and only friend and best friend. So then she started going to a psychiatrist, she was getting bullied, and then uh, so she's prescribed antipsychotics because this is just described as a full-blown hallucination at this point. Uh, then her friends start to disappear, she becomes depressed. <sighs> But then her parents are on the brink of divorce. They're out of money to spend on the psychiatrist. Frankie finds out about the medicine. She stops taking it. She runs away from home. <laughs> this is very dark. God. She gets to a bad part of town, finds Foster's home. Uh, boards up in there. Lives with her best friend, Blue. Uh, makes more imaginary friends, hallucinating a family to fill her empty uh, need for one. Gets darker if you want more of the dark stuff. I, I mean, I feel like I'm obligated to hear the rest of it, but oh my god. Okay, so this one has that Mac is a manifestation of her miscarried brother, whom her parents had named before his too soon death. Uh, Madame Foster is a representative of Frankie's grandmother, the only one who truly loved her. Um... Yeah, and then here's the last sentence of how this person wrote up. Her days of joy at her grandmother's house translated into her new home where she romps with ghosts of what was and what never could be. Hmm. Okay, so this is sad. Mm-hmm. And, like, not even in, like, an exciting sad way. This just feels really real. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a 3 out of 10 because <laughs> I don't want to think about that ever again. Would you have liked the other one? <laughs> sure, I, I'm, I'm like blanking out. I know you told me about the other one. A few the other ago. one is that Frankie's imaginary. And it's just a younger version of Madame Foster. Oh, see, that's fun. I like that one. Because <laughs> Madame Foster always was had such a youthful spirit. Like, I could, I could believe that Madame Foster is keeping multiple imaginary friends around. Both Harriman and Frankie. And, you know, Frankie's always best friends with the imaginary friends and having a good time. I like that one. I'm gonna give that 10 out of 10. I like and that. the other version of that is that Madame Foster's imaginary, but this is just that Frankie 
late grandmother died and she misses her grandmother, so she makes an imaginary version, which is so not bad. bad. Like, that's sad, but less sad. Because, like, that turns the idea of creating an imaginary friend from, like, I, I am a child with a big imagination and I want to have a playmate to, like, I have trauma and I'm going to manifest something to help me deal with trauma, which is less fun. So, like, I like the idea of, of Madame Foster, you know, getting older and wanting, you know, to manifest a younger version of herself to continue on when she's gone. Like, that's sweet. Now, there are holes in the Frankie is the only real, real character one anyway. Like, we see Mac's brother and other characters outside. Holes in these conspiracy theories? Hey, I can go with Frankie's imaginary. Like, that one is much easier to not plug holes into because imaginary friends can interact with people. They can. So most of the things she's doing in the show, an imaginary friend could do. I mean, for all intents and purposes, the imaginary friends in Fosters are just weird-looking people. Like, they sometimes have weird powers, but there's almost nothing a human can do that an imaginary friend cannot also do. Like, yeah. they have, like, you know, the same, similar limbs, I guess. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't see, see Blue doing a clog dancing contest. I think he'd have some difficulty getting the clogs on his non-feet. Maybe he does. Maybe we haven't gotten that far in the series again. I swear to God, if we continue our rewatch and we get to a point where he's clog dancing, I'm gonna leave. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna walk off into the sunset, you know, the Hulk style from the old TV series and just, just wander into the darkness. <laughs> Uh, so do you feel satisfied with these conspiracy theories we've talked about and created? I do. I feel, I feel both satisfied and like I want to know more. So I'm, I might <laughs> go in and, and do some more research and find, find some more wild things and maybe come up with some more wild things. Uh, and if you, the viewer, have any cartoon conspiracy theories that are your favorites or if you have some of your own, uh, be sure to leave that in a comment on this video so we can read it and possibly have a new uh, cartoon conspiracy theory that we we love and and call our own <laughs> a child <laughs> <laughs> all right so i think that is that is uh that is the end of our show for today uh as always i am scarlet i'm katie we are your animates and we're about to pop back into the cartoon time machine until next time See you all around.